Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me. So glad to have you on this uh, wonderful rainy day. You know, uh, in, in the early service, someone said uh, every person in Stevens County ought to be in church today because it's rained, right? <laughs> Thanking God for the rain. Well, uh, this weekend, if you didn't know it, we had a ladies' conference here, the Sparkle Conference, and I was here Friday night. Let me tell you, it was outstanding. I mean, all of you who worked and played and sang and, and taught and, and, and served, let me just give you a big applause because it was so good. I had friends that drove all the way from Dallas, Texas to be there this weekend, so I was really excited. Well, we're going to talk about, uh, in the weeks to come, life hacks. How many of you know you could use some help? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to help you today. Because you need help. And I need help. Carrie for sure needs help. Because she's married to me. But the Word of God is so unique in the things that we struggle with, the things that are common in our human experience. God does help us, and we really need His help. And sometimes it's not an easy fix or an easy solution, but God does have the solution for each and every one of us. So let's read the Word of God together. This is uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and I want you to follow along with me. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Do you know that Jesus has gone through what you're going through? Let me say that again. Jesus has gone through what you're going through, according to the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Let your Word do what your Word does. Our hearts are open, our ears are receptive. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Have you ever heard someone, when you went through something, say, I know how you feel? I mean, you go through a divorce, they've never been through a divorce, and they say, I know how you feel? Or they've, uh, you know, trying to give you encouragement and you've just lost a loved one so close to you and they haven't had that happen yet and they say, I know how you feel. Or maybe you've been betrayed or it could be you've had financial loss. It could be you've got a real bad report from the doctor and they turn around and say, I know how you feel. And let me tell you how I view that sometimes. No, you don't have a clue how I feel because you hadn't been through that yet. Now, many people have, and, and I get that, and we're trying to be empathetic and sympathetic and trying to be helpful, but sometimes we just don't know how other people feel, unless you've been there, bought the t-shirt, the hat, and the whole nine yards, and some people do know how you feel, but here's the thing, Jesus knows how you feel, because if we know that, it helps us, it gives us some traction to go further in our life. Uh, here's the reality I want you to catch is the revelation of the duality of Jesus. The revelation of the duality of Jesus. Let me explain that. Matthew refers to Jesus as the Son of Man about 30 times in his gospel. Mark about 15 times as the Son of Man. Luke refers to Jesus as the Son of Man about 25 times. John about 12 times. Even Revelation identifies Jesus as the Son of Man. 
However, on the flip side, Matthew also refers to Jesus as the Son of God time and time and time again. Uh, Luke refers to Jesus as the Son of God seven times, John about 11 times. Paul refers to Jesus as the Son of God, and Revelation refers to Jesus as the Son of God. So is he the Son of Man or is he the Son of God? Well, the answer is yes and yes. He is the Son of Man, but he's also the Son of God. So Jesus in his humanity has felt what we have felt. He's walked the sod that you're walking. He has lived the life that you are living, yet in his deity as the Son of God, as Emmanuel, God with us, he is dual in nature, and it's hard to grasp, isn't it? But yet, as the Son of Man, he has felt what we feel. Compassion, joy, love, zeal, betrayal, heartbreak, someone dying close to him, people not believing in him, agony, distress, pain. Jesus has felt all of that. So, you know, when we uh, talk this morning, we're going to talk about a subject that everybody here deals with, and uh, you're not exempt, and neither am I. So, so how do we get through this emotional, this character-building issue, and, you know, with uh, things that you deal with every day, people will give you a life hack. How many of you ever heard of life, life hacks? So I kind of looked at this the other day, and I found some that I thought was very uh, interesting. So if you want to eliminate the mess for pancakes, put it in an old ketchup bottle and just squeeze it out, and, uh, you know, you don't have much of a mess. You know, I didn't think about that. Somebody else did. Uh, so if you want to not have paint all over your paint can where the lid goes, you know, that little uh, tray there, that little uh, valley around it, then put a rubber band around the can. You put your brush and clean it off in the middle of the rubber band in the paint can. Uh, to keep your kids from falling out of bed, tuck a, a pool noodle on the edge of it and put the sheet over it and kind of contain them in. That, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? And if you need to fill up a container and your bucket doesn't fit in the sink, put the dustpan there and let it go down to the handle in the bucket. <laughs> Those are called life hacks. But, but here's an issue, the issue of anger. How do you hack that? I mean, what do you do when you're dealing with this issue of anger? And don't look around, but has anybody in the moment ever wanted to kick something, punch something, Say something. Y'all are so holy. You wanted to do something that moment of anger. I mean, you wanted to respond out of that. And uh, certainly, we go on and on with all the things we want to do when we get angry. And uh, some of us have done that. So I, I wanted to give some personal accounts. And I've told this story a couple of times before, but many of you hadn't heard it. So uh, instead of using you for an example, I'll use me. I, I was going to speak in Kansas. And I've spoken up there a couple of times in the convention center there uh, in Wichita, Kansas. I've spoken in churches there. So I was called back to speak again, and it was in the fall, and it was kind of cool. It was rainy, misty, foggy, and a lot of road construction as I pulled into Wichita, Kansas. So somehow, and I don't know what I did, but I offended another driver. Have you ever offended another driver? Now, whenever I do that, I kind of have my deal. I give the courtesy nod. 
which without saying words in the other vehicle, you're saying, I am an idiot, okay? So, you know, th this guy in the other car, he thinks I've done something horribly wrong. I give him the courtesy nod, but he doesn't let it go. So he pulls along, we're in a four lane, so two over there, two over here, so here we are. So he pulls alongside of me, and he's letting me have it. I mean, he rolls the window down, and he is letting me have it. I mean, I am like horrible. And so, I, you know, you give the courtesy nod again. <laughs> and he doesn't let it go. I mean, we're driving the, down the road, side by side, winded down, he's letting me have it. And after a while, I got angry. <laughs> so I rolled the other window down on the side, and you know, the, the, the great spiritual leader that I am. I said, buddy, if you'll pull that car over, you and I'll take care of this. Now, I was much younger then. In my mind, I still think I can do it today, but anyway. So uh, I, I said, if you'll pull that car over, I said, you and I'll take care of that right now. Well, then he told me I was number one and sped off. And this is what you want to do. You want to say, chicken, you know? So, so I, I, I get to my hotel, I pull in, and let me tell you what happens. The Holy Spirit starts working on you. So I, I get to my hotel, and now I am really being um, convicted of my behavior. And so I, I go into my room, and I think, Mike, what, what are you doing? I mean, what are you saying here? I know y'all never do anything like this, but I'm telling you, that I have the propensity to do that. And, and I think, what, what are you doing? And then my mind went to, I hope that guy's not at the church I'm preaching at <laughs> in the next morning. I mean, really, I thought about that. So, so what we have to do is realize that everybody deals with these issues of anger. So, so how do we deal with it? How, how do we hack it? Because it, it factors into your marriage, your parenting, your job, your driving, right? In the early service, I preached the same sermon, and you know, I, I told some of these stories, and, and you know, I didn't get hardly any response. <laughs> and I thought, why are these people not responding about driving? Because people get angry when you're driving. And so one of the ladies, as I was leaving, she said, Pastor, I know we didn't laugh when you told that, but the reality is we're the reason people get angry. <laughs> this is a true story. She said, we're the ones going 35 at 65. I said, okay, I got it. Thank you so much. But, but this anger issue on your job, your friendships, how do you know, it affects everything in your life. So, not only everything in your life, but especially your health. L listen to this. Unresolved anger puts your heart at risk, can increase your blood pressure, <laughs> increase your chance of a stroke, weakens your immune system, causes higher rates of headaches, insomnia, reduces lung capacity, short-term memory loss, predisposes you for depression, can shorten your lifespan. Let me tell you, this is a real issue. And the Bible addresses it over and over and over and over again. So 
How, how do we ha- handle anger? How do we life hack it? Let me tell you how. By the Word of God. Say it with me. By the Word of God. Now let's all say it. By the Word of God. Do you know anger is mentioned over 200 times in your Bible? I mean, th- this is an issue that's mentioned over and over and over and over because we all have that issue. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath or your anger. So is it possible to be angry and not sin? And the answer is yes, Jesus did it. Is it possible to be angry and not sin? Yes, but don't let that anger turn into something else. Don't let it continue on. He said, by the time the sun goes down, try to what? Deal with that anger issue. And that's why some of us stay up all night because we haven't dealt with it, right? So he he says, be angry, sin not, do not let the sun go down on your wrath or your anger. And, And the anger of the Lord, the anger of the Lord is mentioned many times in your Bible. God gets angry. Jesus got angry. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Again, he entered into the synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they may accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? Let me stop here. Listen to me. The chapter before, he said the Sabbath was not made just for rules, regulations. He said the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. So he's dealing with that. He said he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. His hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Instead of rejoicing over the guy who got healed, they're criticizing because they thought he violated their rules and regulations. And Jesus was angry. Now, Mark 11, 15 through 18, they came to Jerusalem. He entered the temple, began to drive out those who sold, those who bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them, saying to them, Is it not written, my house should be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of thieves or a den of robbers? And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching or his doctrine. So listen, they had to exchange money, they they had to get sacrificed, but they had made it an evil enterprise. They did it for gain. They did not do it for the function of sacrifice. They were totally off base. And let me tell you, Jesus went in and he started what? Flipping tables and took a whip and drove them out of the temple. Let me tell you, I believe he had a little bit of an attitude. What do you think? And really, it's a a fulfillment of an Old Testament verse. The zeal of the Lord has eaten me up. I mean, I, I am... I'm, I'm pumped about this issue. So I'm going to give you five observations about anger that's going to help all of us. Here's number one. Righteous anger is a reaction to sin, injustice, and hypocrisy. Do you know you can have righteous anger? And it's not a sin. So every one of us have seen things, heard things, experienced things that got our dander up. 
I mean, you begin to have a reaction to that. So in these passages that I just read, Jesus had a reaction, and it is a reaction to the sin, the injustice, and the hypocrisy of his day, and he had righteous indignation and righteous anger, and so can you. Sometimes when I watch the news, I have righteous indignation and anger. Sometimes when I even watch a commercial, I get angry at the commercial. When I see the way that our world's going, the way some people are behaving, some of the things that some people do, entertainment, music, we go on and on. There should be a little rise up inside of you, a Holy Ghost rise up where you have some indignation and righteous anger over those issues that are going on in our culture and our world. And that's okay, but don't lose control and allow the zeal of the Lord to bring out the best in you, not the worst in you. Because anger can bring out the worst in us. And every one of us have seen it, and we've probably done it, right? James chapter 1, verse 19, 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Well, that's so clear, isn't it? Proverbs 16, 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So we don't want to lose control. Because when you lose control, that means the Holy Spirit's not in control of you. You have decided you're going to take control, and then you're going to lose it, right? And we've all experienced that probably. Here's the second observation. Before we make conclusions that lead to anger, we need to see both sides of a story. How many of you know there's two sides to every story? I mean, there's your side, there's another side. It's what you see, what you don't see. It's what you feel, what you don't feel. So everything is brought into some kind of balance, and if we don't, we'll just go into some kind of tirade or anger, and we don't even know the whole story. We haven't heard the whole thing. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Jesus is giving us what we call the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever given. And in this sermon, he's dealing with some heart issues. Say it with me. Heart issues, which are hard issues, but they are heart issues. L- look at verse 21. You've heard that it was said to those of old or in ancient times, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka. Now, that's the word I don't use, Raka, but let me tell you what it means. It means you empty-headed, airbrained person. Now you know what Raka means. So he said, if you say that, you will be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, be first reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So what Jesus is doing in teaching about, and and let me just kind of broaden the passage, he's teaching about adultery, he's preaching about murder, he's preaching about anger here, and this is what he says, adultery doesn't start in the emotional and the physical state, it first starts in the heart where it is unseen, and then it progresses to emotional and then physical, right? Murder doesn't start with the act. Murder starts in the heart. And let me tell you about anger. 
Whatever we demonstrate out here first began where? Inside of us. Now, here's the key to the passage. He says, if you're angry with your brother without a cause. So if we're angry without a cause, if we twist off before we get the other person's point of view, how many of you know we are really treading in areas we don't understand, nor are we informed about? And sometimes we do that. You know, people on their job sometimes are limited to what they can do and what they can't do. And that's why we ask for a manager. Have you ever done that? Let me speak to your manager. Because sometimes on a job, I can only do so much. I'm limited to what I can say, what I can do. So, so the story is this guy is at the airline counter, and he's enraged about something. He's given the little uh, person you know, behind the counter what for. I mean, you're cursing, belligerent, rude behavior. Person has complete control. And the next person comes up and says, wow, how did you handle that? Well, I mean, why didn't you, you know, tell them something back? Why didn't you get angry? And says, well, you know, I deal with this all the time. This guy's going to New York, but let me tell you, his luggage is headed to Brazil. <laughs> you never know the rest of the story, right? So people have limited ability. So we don't want to just twist off because sometimes they're just doing what? All they can do. And sometimes for you, you're just doing what? All you can do. And so we don't want to get to the place where we don't get the total other side of the story. Can I hear an amen? Here's the third thing. Anger that's not dealt with will always lead to bigger issues. Anger that's not dealt with will always lead to bigger issues. Ephesians chapter 4, 31, 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, which is quarreling, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now notice something, and I, and I, I, really, I really pinned this down for me. Notice the order of the, of the passage. Would you look at it again? Bitterness, wrath, anger, quarreling, slander. One thing leads to another thing. Say that with me. One thing leads to another thing. Do you see the order? It didn't say, okay, here we go, bitterness. No, bitterness will lead to what? Wrath. Wrath will lead to anger. Anger is going to lead to quarreling. Quarreling is going to lead to slander. Slander is going to lead to malice. He says, okay, you start this, this thing is going to just steamroll for you. One thing is going to lead to another thing that's going to lead to another thing. Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So your anger doesn't just stay with you. You start getting these co-centric circles around you, and I get these circles around me. Now it's affected me, it's affected my wife, my children, my coworkers, my family, and some people live their life infected, and they get everybody in the wave of it. And you know that's true. And some of you, Maybe someone in your family, a mom or a dad, they lived a life of anger, and guess what? You got the butt of that. I mean, it just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And what they didn't deal with kept progressing and mounting, and now it's not just them. It's everybody else in their circle. And what you want to do, you want to get out of that circle. You're trying to avoid that. And so here, 
he says that we want to live in the grace of God because if we don't, he said, we're going to stir up some bitterness and it's going to defile or infect everybody around us. And that's not what we want. That's not how we want to live. This is Psalm chapter 37, verse 8. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret because it only causes harm. It causes harm. Look at this word fret here. That's just not a section in the guitar neck. Some of you don't have a clue what I just said. Fret is to be constantly and visibly worried, anxious, to wear away, being discontent and annoyed. And if you live in that, it causes what? Harm. It harms your marriage. It harms your parenting. It harms your friendship. It harms your work. It harms your health. It harms everything. So it's not just one thing. Have you ever heard somebody, well, you know, it, it, it doesn't affect anybody else but me. That is so dumb. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, it's just affecting me. What planet do you live on, goofball? It affects everybody around you. I mean, you're like the little guy on Peanuts. Wherever you walk, there's this little dust cloud. You know, everywhere you go, it's following you or it's following me. So we have to realize that it causes harm. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of what? Fools. I didn't call you a fool. I just said that's what the Word of God says. If you walk around in constant anger and turmoil, the Bible just said you are a what? Fool. Okay, pastor, move on. I didn't say it, but that's what it says. Anger rests in the bosom, finds its place inside of us, and what do we do? We carry it around, and we look really foolish because we are living a life of anger. Now, here's the, uh, the fourth thing. Jesus did not seek, seek revenge when he was moved to anger. Let me say that again. Jesus did not seek revenge. You hurt me, then I'll what? Hurt you. Uh, you, you mess with me, I'll mess with you. you. You stir up my life, I'm going to stir up your life. Jesus didn't do that. Not, not in the revenge thing. Because let me, let me tell you, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. Paul rehearses this verse. This is in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. This is the Good News translation. Never take revenge, my friends, but instead let God's anger do it. For the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay back, says the Lord. Now, how many of you want to play the Lord every once in a while? Sure, I mean, we've all felt that way. I, I wanted to take vengeance out. I want to give you a dose of your own medicine, and I want to ramp it up. I want to give you what for. You, you do it to me, I want to do it to you. Listen, we've all felt that way. But let me tell you, God ultimately will deal with all wrongs. And this is what he said. He said, I will repay. I'll give the vengeance. I'll give the judgment. And let me tell you something. God doesn't let anyone off the hook. The only way you and I make it to heaven is by his grace, his blood, his sacrifice. And if we don't take that availability and that gift, 
then we will fall under the same vengeance of Almighty God. And God said, I will deal with this. And Jesus, as the Son of Man, the Son of God, God in the flesh, did not give immediate revenge, did he? So that brings us to number five, Jesus extended forgiveness. Folks, think about this. Jesus, this is Jesus. They abuse him, they mock him, they betray him, they beat him, they crown him, they robe him, they scepter him, they nail him to a cross. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Wow. So how do I deal with it? Better deal with it like Jesus, the only way it really works. So he extends forgiveness, and that's what we should do. You said, Pastor, that's hard. You think? You think? Yeah, it's hard. It's very difficult. And that's why we have to live in the Spirit, not in the flesh, because my flesh wants its pound, and your flesh wants its two pounds. Some of us want three pounds, right? So that's why it's so imperative that we listen to what the Word of God says here. Now, let me give you four takeaways very quickly as we leave this morning. So, Pastor, what do I do? Well, here's the first thing. Acknowledge your anger. I mean, just, just be honest. I'm angry. I mean, I'm not trying to hide this. I'm not trying to suppress this. This has made me very angry. So I want to just say, this is the way it is. Then I want to ask God, to stay centered here, realizing that, that God is who he is and I'm who I am, and I, I want to kind of identify who's uh, you know, initiating this or provoking this, and it could be just a misunderstanding. So, so God, help me to deal with this. Third thing, make a decision that we will live in forgiveness, that I will have to deal with this and then realize that the Lord knows how I feel. He knows how you feel. Many years ago, when our son Nathan was still alive, he was sick, and Carrie did 98% of the, the care and the nursing and the things that she did. And one night he was very sick, and I came home from work, and we're up all evening. It's about 12 o'clock. She said, Mike, I am exhausted. I'm mentally, physically, spiritually exhausted. I've got to go to bed. Can you be with him tonight? Stay beside him. And I said, sure. Have you ever got angry with God? It's a good question. Someone you loved? Something happened you don't understand? You said, God, why? I don't get it. So that night, around midnight, one o'clock, laying there with my son, he can barely breathe, just struggling, struggling, struggling. And I just copped a little attitude with God. And I begin to say, God, you're God. I mean, you can change this. I mean, you're, you're the healing God. You're the mighty God. You're the miracle-working God. God, you know, why are we here? Why, why are we feeling this? Why is Carrie and I going through this? And, man, I'm laying it down. And I'm having this conversation with God, got an attitude, angry with God. And in the middle of that, 
I'm telling God, God, this is my son. I love my son. Why can't my son be better? Why are we going through this? And in the still of the night, God spoke to my heart. I didn't hear a booming voice from heaven. I didn't hear it thunder or lightning or any of that, those things. But God spoke to me, and it was short. It was sweet. It was, it was powerful. Because this is what he said to me when I'm thinking, God, where are you? Why don't you know the pain that we're in? And God said, Mike, I had a son. And that's all he said. I mean, I'm telling him, I'm debating with God. God, this is my son. Why don't you know what I'm going through? And he said, Mike, I had a son. And you know what? That broke me. I mean, I just began to weep and cry. And I said, God, you know how I feel. And listen. God knows how you feel. And sometimes we feel alone, we feel defeated, we feel betrayed, we feel like, I don't understand why this is going on in my life, my family, my kids, my grandkids, but I'm here to tell you today, God knows how you feel. Jesus is the Son of God, but he's also the Son of Man, and he knows what we feel. And maybe the Lord brought you here today to tell you, I know how you feel. And I know the solution. I know what you need to do. And that's to live your life in my word, in my presence. And I will ultimately make every wrong right. Can you have enough faith for that? I think we can. Would you bow your head with me? Hang tight just for a minute. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you do care for us and that you are the mighty God and you are the one who knows not only what we feel but even what we think. So, Lord, I know there are people here today like me that have gone through some extreme hurt and trials and tragedies, some things that didn't happen the way that they wanted to happen. But, Lord, we know that you're for us and you're with us. So God, help us today. As your head's bowed, let me ask you a couple of questions. And the first one is, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, can I, can I question where you are today with that? If you don't know Christ, or let me just take it another step further, if you've kind of drifted off, if you really haven't served Him like you needed to serve Him or being faithful like you should be faithful, God's here for you today, and he wants to touch your life and your heart. So if that's you, and I know it takes courage to do this, would you just slip your hand up? I got mine up and say, Pastor, I could use some help. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Several people have lifted their hands. And the next thing I want to share with you is even... When we are strong believers and we've, we've done what we feel like God wants us to do and we've walked the walk that the Lord's asked us to walk, there's still those, those challenges that we all have. And maybe you're in the middle of one right now. Maybe you're feeling that and you're struggling with that. And it, it could be a health or a finance or it could be a sin issue that you've you know, done or 
committed or haven't done what you thought you should have done. But today, the Lord has the answer. And maybe you're dealing with anger today. The very thing we talked about, it could be you've been hurt in the past, betrayed. Maybe you feel like you've been abandoned. I don't know what it is. But I know this, there is a healing in Gilead. There's a balm in Gilead. There is something flowing from the throne of God that helps us. And God will help you today. So if you're dealing with something right now, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'm saved, I'm going to go to heaven, but I got some stuff in my life I am dealing with, and I need your help. Thank you, thank you. Would you stand with me right now? We have some people that's going to help us pray. They're going to come and stand right here. If you lifted your hand for any reason, or you did not, and you want to come, and you want to pray together, I want you to leave your seat the Cascade section, all across this place. I want you to come and stand right here in front of me. We're going to pray. We're going to go back out. But I believe God's going to help us right now. So slip out. Come on. Come on, folks. Let's give them a hand. People are coming from all over this house. Come on, just stand around this front. Nobody's going to embarrass you. But if we need help, how many of you know God's got our help? I need about 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 people to help us pray. Would you slip out of your seat? Would you be so kind to come and lay your hand on somebody's shoulder, stand with them, be next to them? Let nobody be by themselves today. Come on, let's gather around everybody who's here today. Let's pray for them right now. Come on, pray with me. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, for every marriage, for every father, every mom, God, for every financial situation, for every hurt, every pain, every disappointment, you know how we feel. So God, I'm praying today that you would help us, you would lead us, you would guide us, you would forgive us, you would empower us to be the people you want us to be. God, let marriages be restored and healed Let families come back together. God, let that root of bitterness, let that root of anger, let it be healed in our life. Let us move on. Let us find forgiveness. Let us find direction. And God, you give it to us, and we're so thankful that you allow us to have your help. So God, here we are in your presence, believing you to help us today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives. And God, we thank you for it in Jesus' precious, holy name. How many of you received that today? God will help us. It's the greatest life hack you can ever have is getting God to help us. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.